Hello and welcome to the San Jose State University School of Library and Information Science Career Colloquia Series. This is Jill Cleese and I'm the career consultant for our SLIS students and alumni. And I'd like to thank you for joining us tonight in our discussion of navigating the hiring process for federal government. We have two excellent guest speakers with us tonight and I will let each one introduce themselves before they begin. We will start with Helen Sherman followed by Cherie Gibbons. Each will speak for about 20 minutes and then we'll have a Q&A session at the end. So please do hold all of your questions to the end and I ask that you please keep the dialogue in the chat box to a minimum. So we're set to go. So Helen, take it away. I'm Helen and I'm so glad to be here with you tonight. I started my federal career at the Marine Corps University in 2000 and now after a few years I'm doing supervising and hiring. So tonight I'm going to be telling you about the federal career system from both sides so that you'll have a better understanding of it when you apply for a job. I have a lot of material for you that I will go through quickly so that you'll be able to have the slides to refer to later on. You're on the right path if you want to be a Fed. There is the prediction that about one-third of the federal employees will be eligible to retire in 2012. Some of them are holding up a few years because they feel that their income investments might not be as high as they thought they were going to be at this point and they're watching the economy, but we still do have retirements and we still are hiring. The average annual salary of a federal career supervisory, non-supervisory and managerial librarian is 84000 which is a lot more than you would find in some of the academic or private sector positions. I did give you some references there if you want to look up some more information, especially the Occupational Outlook Handbook. The federal librarians do almost everything you can imagine in another setting. For example, reference, instruction and database training, testing for databases, acquisitions, cataloging, web page development, wiki content development is big right now, systems, marketing, management and administration. And that, by the way, is just at one agency where I work. We have all the same types of federal libraries that you have been studying in your library courses. Academic, the family public type, school libraries, and many different special libraries. For example, the academic libraries are the academies that you hear about, such as the Air Force and the Army four-year degree programs. Also, there are graduate degree programs where they come back as officers and go to one or two years for graduate school. The family libraries are on the bases, such as the Air Force Base, the Army Post, and they serve the family members from the story hours up to the adults who are working on their graduate degree programs. We have the special school libraries overseas for those of you who are interested in serving in Germany or in the Orient and we do have that in a couple limited areas in the U.S. The special libraries abound, medical, law, museums, historical centers, just think about the Washington D.C. with all of the Smithsonian's. They all have their own libraries and sometimes more than one depending upon which one it is. I work at a scientific and technical information center and we have all of the documents for the Department of Defense since World War II. So now we no longer sell them as hard copy, but we digitize them. So there are all those organizational and, and library skills that are utilized. The goal of the federal job process is to bring the employer and the applicant together so that you become the federal employee. I'm going to show you then that there are two different steps. First, I'll show you the step, the path that the agency takes for federal recruitment. I'll take you through these tonight. Then I'm going to turn around and show you what you would do as you're applying for the job. When you see a federal uh, job listed, you will see it with numbers and letters. So look at the example there at the bottom where I have a GS 141009. Okay, we have decided then, we analyze the job first, what is the description of the work to be done, what is the series, there's a four-digit code, the 1410 means it's a librarian position, and then the grade, the starting position for a librarian is usually 09. 
If you see a job offer that's GS 141009, that's a straight 09. There's no promotion potential unless, after you've been serving for a year, you find a job that you want to apply for and you start applying again. If you see a job that's GS 1410-0911, however, that has promotion potential. So that if you are doing well in your nine jobs and you are doing increasingly more advanced work, you would be able to move on to the 11, usually within the 52 weeks, the full year. You always have to be at one level for the 52 weeks. The GS 1410-1410 or 1412-15 is the highest grade for the GS. So you have to review those requirements before you start applying for jobs. Now, you can apply for 1410, 1411, 1412, 1420, and so on. There are several. But don't forget that there are other possibilities to get into the federal system, too. If, for example, you had a teaching job at one time or you were in marketing, you have to think about your related education and your work experience, and you might want to apply for a 0301, such as an analyst, or some of the others. You'll do some exploring and think about that. This is what the position classification standard looks like for the 1410. We have to follow strict rules when we advertise for a job, and each series has specific guidelines. For the librarian series, there are other names. There might be a supervisory librarian, a cataloging librarian with the different functional areas. And it is also set up, this is a grade conversion table. So we don't just decide, oh, let's advertise for a librarian. We have to know exactly what that grade is going to be, and there's a point range based on what type of work is going to be expected. These are called the factor levels. Just to give you an idea, the factor level is the knowledge required by the position then. So at level one, see the example, the librarian provides reference services where the needs are relatively easy. That's going to be at the lower level, 950 points. At the higher level, look at the difference. The librarian is serving as an expert, as a federal expert or interagency, a senior staff librarian. This would be the kind of person who is supervising and telling other people how to do it. So that would be a higher grade, and there would be more points expected. The differences are also very obvious in the supervisory area. At the lower level, the supervisor is defining the librarian's scope. So if somebody's applying for the job where they are going to be told what to do, they would be at a lower level. If, however, the supervisor that we're hiring or the higher level authority is considered the expert, then they would be at a higher grade. So it's important that you read the uh, announcements very carefully and that you don't apply for every single job that you see out there. Because if you haven't had any experience, it would look foolish to apply for a supervisory librarian at a GS 13 or 15 or something. Also, it's good to have an understanding of the KSAs. The KSAs in the federal community stands for the knowledge, skills, and abilities. Your knowledge is your organized body of information that you're acquiring when you're in library school. The skills are those proficient manual, verbal, mental uh, skills that you have. And the abilities will be your power to perform an activity at a present time. So the employer will be expecting certain KSAs from you. Now, you're very lucky because you're coming into this at a time when the essay or narrative requirement is no longer in existence. This was eliminated in 2010. And people used to have to respond with sample essays, for example, in the knowledge of principles, concepts, and techniques, ability to lead and supervise, ability to communicate effectively in writing. And we would have to build essays bringing in specific examples of what we had studied and how we had worked in order to be prepared for that. Although you're no longer able, to, you're no longer required to submit these essays, your employer, however, is still going to expect this information to be readily accessible. So you will have to be thinking about how you can build in that part in your resume and as you answer questions. Some of the federal uh, 
announcements will include an occupational questionnaire. And the multiple choice questions can be rather tough. For example, if this one says, I've performed the job of cataloging librarian, for example. Never, occasionally, as a regular part of my job, as a major part of my job, to review the work, or as a recognized expert. You can see the gradation. You can see how you're going from low to high. But the questions will never be that simple, and they'll never be in that order. So you'll have to read them very carefully to determine which one applies to you. And then, of course, there's always the answer, never, because there might be some things that you have never done. And you always want to answer your questions honestly, because those same questions could be used in the interview if you come in for that. The essays, the KSAs, will also be included in the job announcement. And you can see that usually as a statement such as I have right here as a sample. It might be in italics. It might be in quotation marks. It might be set apart in bold. But it's going to be showing you what kind of specialized experience will be expected for this job. And it's very important that you read to that, read that carefully and refer back to it often as you're filling out your resume. You don't want to just send out the same resume for every job that you're applying for. You need to focus on what they're looking for and make sure that you're fitting in what they need to find out about you. You also want to make sure that you use relevant terminology, because this is not going to be reviewed by somebody in library school. You don't want to just talk about MARC and so on and all of the other terms that you've been learning, because your job application will be reviewed by a personnel specialist who probably doesn't know anything about those terms, or it could even run through a computer before it goes on and we see it. So you want to highlight the relevant accomplishments in a letter. You can use the cover letter now in most cases. You include your competencies and major accomplishments, but be very specific. Develop talking points, too, for yourself about your KSAs, and be prepared to use them when you're answering questions during an interview. These are some of the things to remember as you're doing that to describe a situation that you have done specifically, describe what needed to be done, describe your role and specifically what you did, describe the outcome in concrete, verifiable terms. If, for example, you developed a program and it increased the number of people coming into the library, or if you did something that saved the uh, organization money, or if you developed a concept, a white paper, and it was actually um, submitted to your organization and they worked on it. If you haven't been in a job situation, you'll want to be looking for some of those projects and programs that you did while an intern or as a project for class. The determination of your position level then will be based on that general schedule, the GS job. And the majority of federal workforce employees are actually paid by a GS pay scale by that rating. This is where you can find it. I gave you the URL for the GS locality pay tables. This one is showing you the 2011. And you would click on that pay scale to get to this. Here I have the yellow arrow showing you this is where most uh, initial librarians would start at the GS9 level. And you can see there the base pay is $41,563. And then each step each year as you are eligible for a new step or every two or three years, you would move up through that ladder. Now, where you live is also going to make a difference. There is a geographic area because in most places it makes a difference uh, if you're in D.C. or New York or California, how much you need to make a living there, how much uh, more your living, how much higher your living expenses are. So there is a locality pay that increases the annual salary. This particular one is a locality pay, and it's showing that the GS9 is now worth 61,630. So you would be able to look up where you're living to see how much that would be. Here's a typical job announcement. The pay plan series and grade is showing the GS 14109 slash 11. 
And this agency job announcement is telling you that there's a vacancy in that area. Make sure you look at that date. This one closed the 23rd of October. If you see something you're going to apply for, be sure you print it and save it. Mark your folder with your application because you aren't going to be able to go back and find it once the time is up. There are also within grade increases in the federal system. So when you are a GS9, for example, for steps two, three, and four, there's just a one-year waiting time. As you move up to five, six, and seven, you wait two years each time. And you wait three years for the other ones. As the higher you get, the longer it takes to move up through the grades. There are other initials and numbers that you'll see out there besides the GS. For example, GAO starts with PT. The National Institute of Standards has a job series that starts with VP. And also, you'll see an NF, which means non-appropriated funds. But a lot of people have started with non-appropriated fun non job funds first to get into the federal system in order to move into the GS. So don't discount that. Here's the USA jobs. You'll want to make sure you bookmark that. You're a good searcher, so you'll be able to go in and search your job. You also have a student site. You can sign on and create an account and keep your resumes there. This will tell you more about the USA Jobs. And here's the student site, students and recent graduates. Maybe there's an intern position or possibility for you out there also. Here's the advanced search. You can go in and put the term librarian, for example, and the pay grade. You have drop-down boxes, so you can do that. Or there is a continuation of that page, so you can go on and also search by series. The question located at the bottom is important. If you have not been in the system before, you are not in the competitive service. If you have worked for the federal government before, in a, then you would be able to put yes. That's going to make a difference what your results are. So you review the eligibility for a position. And these are the terms you'll usually see. Status means current or former career or career conditional federal employees. It's called career conditional when you start because you have to put in the first three years before you become a career employee. Public means it's open to everybody, whether you've been a federal employee or not. US citizens means the same as public there as you're applying. And status is the career conditional, so that means both may apply. All sources means everybody. So if you have no prior federal service, you're going to be looking for public, US citizen, or all sources. And sometimes you'll see it listed twice, too, two different ways. And if you do see it that way, if you see the jobs for US public or the jobs for federal employees, this is a toggle up here. You'll be able to switch back and forth. So if you see that it's advertised both ways, separately, one for public, one for federal employees, and you're eligible for both, you should apply for both because they come through to us as supervisors separately and two different lists. And it's possible if somebody is eligible for two that they could show up on one list and not the other. The US citizenship is required for most federal jobs, and it's specified on the announcement. You have to follow the instructions exactly because You'll be required to put in your official transcript, but they will tell you how they want you to do that. Other possibilities would be a security investigation, secret or top secret clearance, a drug test, polygraph. There might be travel or that you would be part of an emergency crew if they had essential emergency essential status. And this is something you'd want to look for. Important information that it usually includes location of the job as they put that on there. Moving expenses are usually not provided, and the statement will be in there. For an overseas job, there usually will be a statement in there saying that the moving expenses are, are provided. So if you can be flexible and mobile and move around, you can have a, an extremely interesting career in the federal community. Be sure you observe the closing date. The closing date will be by midnight Eastern time. They don't allow any extra time for computer problems. So you want to start early as you're inputting your information. And as we go through, 
screening, remember don't use library jargon, your goal will be to be on the list of highly qualified candidates that will be reviewed by the agency. And remember there is competition so being qualified doesn't necessarily guarantee that you will be interviewed or selected for the job. Many times there are several people that are applying for the same job. If you come into the interview, keep track of what job you've applied for, review it again before you come in, be on time, have some questions available. There will be the same questions asked to you as they have asked to everybody else who has applied for that same job. We follow certain rules for that too. Have your references in your resume and ready so that we can require, we will require that and we will always check on a reference before offering the job. And if you are selected, it's not the person who interviews you who will be contacting you. That will go through human resources. They will tell you, but I warn you, don't quit your job while you're waiting for your clearance. If you have another job, keep working because it might take a while. So I wish you so much luck. I know you're going to have to be patient. It takes quite a while. We're trying to improve the system. And I also included some slides here for the applicant's roadmap to the federal job so that you have some other ideas, a FedLib list that you can apply for so you can hear, I mean you can be lurking there and seeing some of the job announcements and some of the announcements about activities for training. You'll also be able to target your position if you think about some additional training, internships, professional organizations to join. And it will help you also if you do some networking and learn how to write that winning application and resume. Some of the professional organizations have mentoring programs for that. This is the information you have to be sure to uh, include and specific work experience. And I tell you, seed. Go ahead and seed and put out multiple applications and resumes. Don't count on just that one. You have your tabs for navigation to print as you're going through the process. Always make sure that you're doing things truthfully because we will be using the verification process. And have a good time in the interview because we do enjoy meeting new people too as you come in. I do have contact information on there and I'm going to wish you good luck and turn this over now to Sherry so that she can present some information to you. Thank you. Thank you, Helen. This is Jill. That was fantastic. So, Sheree, it's on to you, so go ahead and take it. If you'd like to give a little introduction to yourself, go for it and then just get right into it. Thanks. Okay. Hello, everybody. I have a little bit of overlapping information uh, from what Helen has, but hopefully not too much. Um, so, first, just a little bit about me. I am um, an assessment specialist librarian at the U.S. Government Printing Office in Washington, D.C. And I'm also an adjunct instructor for San Jose Swiss, um, teaching since 2007. And I teach uh, LIBR 200 and also research methods. And then I've also taught for LSU, so I've taught, for, uh, taught a number of these different courses. And um, I think it gives me a little bit of insight. And so I'll be talking to you a little bit later in this discussion about uh, the different classes that I think might be helpful. And let me not forget that I am also a relatively new Fed. I just yesterday, was it yesterday, made my one year anniversary. So um, I like to think that I give uh, a, a fresh perspective to this. So just a few beginning things. So the USA job site, um, this hasn't been mentioned, I don't believe yet. And um, it just they just moved over to the 3.0 two weeks ago. Has anybody heard of this? Yes? Okay, no? I, yes, okay, good. So um, they, it had been, as my understanding, that it had been a contractor run before and now it's being taken over in-house. And there are still quite a few bugs. I got on a few days ago to check um, and look for different jobs and set up a profile. And one of the jobs that I had that I wanted was thinking about displaying today that's sort of a um, off the beaten path type of job. It showed me that there were many vacancies and in many locations and I thought, oh, this is excellent. The students would love to see this. 
So then I clicked on the link, and then when you click on the link, it shows that there's one job, and it's in Philadelphia. So um, yeah, still some problems. And then also, I've done a number of different searches as being both a status candidate and then open to all sources. And I can find jobs that will show me that's open for all, but not for status, which I would think I would also be able to get. So I think there's still some issues to be worked out. But I read an advertisement recently uh, that said that they were working on it round the clock. So hopefully it will be fixed soon. But what I would urge you to do is not to give up. But if you see that it says there's no jobs in this area, I would continue to search because I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case. Helen talked about um, the different job series options, and I put a few down here as well. And I, I think that um, maybe when I was looking, I looked a little bit um, more outside of the traditional uh, 1410. So 1410 would be your librarian, 1412 would be um, archives or archive specialists, the 0301 uh, programs and management, and then 0343 would be um, also a management analyst. So, the, so back to the series. <clears throat> so several um, series that have come to my mind when I've looked for jobs and have thought about it um, include the 1700s, uh, particularly 1750. When I looked at the courses that are available at SLIS, I see a very good foundation for, um, uh, let's see what it's called. Instructional services. So if you're interested in that, like um, just how we use Illuminate, um, that sort of thing, if you were somebody who was interested in designing those sorts of things, you might be able to get a job doing that. And also your LIVR 200 class, all the different um, theories and stuff go right into that. And so that will make it helpful in terms of applying for that sort of a job. Pick a job that really interests you, because jobs will be coming open on the USA Job site. And, and if I've already said this, please forgive me. Um, and also, if you want to, um, like one other avenue is to work for a contractor, because several people at my agency have gotten their jobs um, the same way, by coming in first as a contractor, getting the experience in the position, and then applying for the position when it comes open. So I always think that's a smart idea. I would also say um, keep in mind that um, when you're looking at a ladder position job, one that's like a 9, 11, 12, that if you're looking at the job and it, and it appears that you would not be qualified, that you might be looking at what the highest performance level is, and you can come in at a lower level and then build in your skills to get to, get to that point. And then also, and this my um, supervisor reminded me to tell you, is that um, just because it is a ladder position, it doesn't necessarily mean that you will be moving to the next level after the 52 weeks. Generally, if you're doing a good job, that, that does happen, but it's not guaranteed. Um, and then also, I would say, keep in mind um, what will work for your lifestyle, whether or not you'll really be happy in a position, and, um, and whether you'll be happy um, for the future. Like, if you're taking a job that's based just on your qualifications, is this something that's going to lead to where you want to go in the future? So to think not only about the job that you want right now, but the job that you want to have three or five years from now. And is this, is this job and is this series going to get you where you want to go? Okay, so I thought what would be an interesting example would be to take a look at some of the different job series of people who work in library services at my own agency, um, since not everyone is in the 1410 series. And if you were interested in looking at these job descriptions, these are all jobs that have been filled in the last two years. So a Google search for GPO and these job titles will bring up um, these jobs in their descriptions. But so um, we hired a preservation librarian, which is a 1410, which is the general librarian um, uh, series. Then assessment specialist librarian, which is what I am, 1410. But we have digital archive specialist, that's an 0301, and a planning specialist, which is an 0301. And I myself have been a planning specialist at GPO. Okay, so I raised that just so that you could see that there are a number of different um, series that you might not have thought of. Because I know that when I was first looking, I was looking in, you know, 1410, 1420, and, and things around that, and I would have never considered the 0301. And um, I think it's fascinating, and it also is 
it opens you up to so many other different jobs in those different series. And I think it's also helpful for us to take a look at a recent, um, and this one is actually up now, a recent uh, librarian position and what the duties would be. And so you can see that a lot of, of this it would be um, is dealing with automation and supervision and management. And these are all things that you would pick up in your classes at SLIS. So as you take a look at the job descriptions, I would urge you to think about the different classes that you have and the different things that you can use as support, particularly in your e-portfolios. And in that same vein, um, I have put up uh, just an image for you from the Bureau of Census. This is the current job that's open right now as well, and it's an 0301. Just to show you that you could get um, jobs that aren't necessarily librarian jobs that will still, um, do, still use the skills that you have. And so this position that's an 0301 is looking for um, specialized experience that relates to applying standardized analytical methods and techniques to accurately assess gathered information, establishing and maintaining effective relationships with management, and determining the most effective approaches to problems based on review and analysis of the regulations, policies, and precedents. So you would get a lot of this stuff in your management class. Um, and also in your research methods class. And then for this particular job, it also has um, under qualifications that you can make the qualification based on a two-year degree. So you would have also your MLIS degree um, to use as a basis for that. So applying for jobs. I know Helen's talked a little bit about this, and I, I was thinking back on my own experience. And um, I think that um, one thing that you want to keep in mind is that you want to thoroughly review all of the job descriptions of positions that you're interested in before you begin to adapt your resume to fit them, because you want to adapt it to fit for each job so that um, you have the best chance. But at the same time, you want to make sure that you haven't overlooked any key pieces of information that might eliminate you. Um, and I always recommend clicking through the occupational questionnaire before launching into the resume um, and the application process, because sometimes you'll see stuff in there that might give you an indication of whether or not this job might not be the best fit for you. Also, if you have um, special skills and experience and um, it's not uh, portrayed in your resume the same way that it would be um, in the job description, I would urge you to go ahead and add that information and to mirror your language. Sometimes you might have skills like for content management experience, but the information in your resume is showing the different pieces of it. I would go ahead and put it in there and say, I have you know, content management experience and it is this, this, and this. And that way it's uh, perfectly clear. Also, some advertisements ask you to identify where in your resume the relevant experience can be found. And some people will bold these items. Um, and then some people also use them in a list format. And um, so I would say you should think about what would be the best way to display it, particularly if um, it's spread out over, um, you know, throughout a couple of pages. So you want to make sure that you're hitting them with the key things first. Whenever I am um, preparing my resume and I look at um, what they're asking for, I put um, whatever it is that's the specific skill from the job that I had, I put that first. That's the first paragraph in the description of the things that I've done so that they know immediately that I have it. I recommend a similar strategy for the cover letter because um, sometimes uh, you won't have the space to address everything, so I always lead with what's the strongest. And because you have a lot of um, like your e-portfolio and your and websites and stuff that would be able to display your work, I always include that in there too because it gives an additional chance for somebody to take a further look at, uh, at the work that you've done.
Ah, yes. And then my final aspect on this, on the res uh, responding to questions about qualifications, I would say that um, even if you don't have the exact qualifications that they're asking about, I wouldn't necessarily let that deter you if you think you're a perfect fit. Uh, for my position, one of the questions dealt with, do you have experience defending, um, and it was a particular thing that I didn't have, but I had experience defending in general, and then it, the, another question was, do you have experience with a particular law, with Title 44? And while I didn't have experience with Title 44, I did have experience with law, and I felt that that experience um, justified my taking the position or applying for the position. So I applied, at first I wasn't going to apply for it, and then I decided to apply for it anyway, and I got it. So you, my guess, what I'm saying to you is, is you never know who you're applying against, and you never know whether or not um, what, you, what the skills that you bring to it, if you make a strong enough case, that, that you just might get on it. So now, to the meat of the matter, the courses. So all of the required courses that SLIS offers are, are extremely useful, and they provide opportunities to learn and demonstrate understanding of technology, theories of learning, research, the ability to identify problems and formulate solutions, and the use of social media skills, which is quite popular right now, and I see a lot of that in um, job advertisements. Uh, management and research methods are two courses that can really help you in preparing for a federal position, and I use both management and research skills on a daily basis. Projects and papers that you've completed in these courses can be used to demonstrate your experience. And remember also that your unpaid experience still counts, so you should list it on your resume. Two classes that I highly recommend are uh, Government Information Sources and Issues in Special Libraries and Information Centers, because both of these uh, are going to be extremely helpful in terms of um, almost any job you have, you'll either be um, manipulating federal information or accessing it. And um, this can get in the, in the Special Libraries class and Information Centers can give you a good sense of the different library environments. And the federal government has many non-traditional library positions. My, uh, my own position as an assessment specialist librarian is a librarian position that's not inside a library. So, and one of my duties is to perform public access assessments of libraries that are members of the Federal Depository Library Program. So I would say that, you know, there's really so much more out there and, and to expand your thinking if, I mean, it is, a, it is a tough market at this time, but if you sort of are willing to, to push the limits, I think there are a lot of different options available. So these courses are all very good choices, especially if your interests lie in moving into the system side of things. Having a foundation and database uh, management and systems analysis may provide the opportunity to land or to transition into an information technology position or provide you with the possibility of moving into information and security, which is a growing area. Um, there are also valuable skills to have, and LIBR 2.2.5.0 can also help you in securing the instructional, uh, instructional systems specialist position, which I was talking about earlier. This combined with the learning theories that are taught in LIBR 200 provide a good beginning foundation for these types of positions, and you can support that um, in your application. And LIBR um, 251 will also help if instructional systems is a career path that you're interested in pursuing. So following along in that same vein, um, the courses in the same vein as the courses I just mentioned, LIBR 246 can help you to attain highly marketable skills. And a lot of the current focus on recent job ads has been on Web 2.0 skills and social media. So this is an excellent one to take, and it's repeatable, so you can build additional skills and demonstrate your knowledge through projects. Our web content team does a lot of this type of work, and they are 0301s. And also, knowledge of web programming language can give you a leg up on the competition when you're applying. It's a skill that I see in demand, and I've also seen in short supply when, uh, in, in terms of hiring. 
So having this, and I think the reason for that is that this type of knowledge um, gets dated quickly. So it, it's nice to have a course on it, and it's really nice that SLIS offers the ability to take it um, on different topics. Also, uh, vocabulary design and cataloging and classification are useful in many different settings, particularly if you plan to move into um, a technical focus or if you're uh, planning to be a solo librarian. These are also sought-after skills, so not everyone has it, and it, it may be an opportunity for you to enhance your chance of standing out. Okay, so this grouping recommends, uh, is the group that I would most highly recommend if you are interested in working at the National Archives and Records Administration or um, something along those lines, because uh, lots of agencies need records managers and the settings vary, and you could find yourself working at the Library of Congress or the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. In fact, um, the Library of Congress has a position open now for a records management specialist, and that series is 0343, and the position is for a GS-11 with a promotion potential to 12. So I always think these are fascinating to take a look at and see what the different series um, numbers are and what the sort of um, classes are that you might want to prep with. Okay, so the seminar classes. Um, when taking a look at these, I thought there was really um, lots of valuable information in them, uh, particularly for different types of jobs. I saw information on knowledge um, um, and information policy and information ethics, and these are two hot areas right now. Um, and they're also important for working in the federal sector and digital copyright, knowledge management, and then also in the um, seminar for library management, it talked about doing project and financial management, and um, those were two big areas that you would definitely need for many of the jobs available. And I recommend also that you get as much experience as possible, so that's why I have LIBR 294 on there, because um, all the experience that you can get, even whether it's paid or unpaid, will, will definitely help you in the job market. To, to highlight all your advantages. And, and I think that combined with the ePortfolio, um, I think it really is a winning team. So, And I think that's it for me. If there are any questions, please feel free to contact me. Thanks. Thank you, Cherie. I appreciate you being able to go through the classes that we have available at SLIS and be able to highlight for people where those classes can be useful as far as jobs in the federal government. So we have about 15 minutes or so left. We can open it up to questions that can be directed towards either Helen or Cherie. I can let go of the microphone, and you can pick up the mic. And here we go. I unfortunately just got laid off from a paid internship at um, the Navy Medical Center here in San Diego. Um, but I've got I've gotten a lot of experience with it, so I, no regrets at all. Um, I did an unpaid and paid internship. Um, how much do I have ahead of, above everybody else in terms of having that experience? It's always good to have that experience, whether it's short term or not. What you need to do while it's still fresh in your mind is uh, outline with bullets exactly what you did when you were there, the skills that you acquired, the type of work that you did, so that you have that ready to plug into your resume and also to talk about uh, when you have an interview. While you were there, did you notice, were there any contracting jobs around when you were laid off? Were there other people that are still working on that? Perhaps it's another avenue that you could consider. Now, the Navy Medical would have special libraries around the, the world, uh, not medical, uh, but they would have Navy libraries. And if you're flexible, you might be able to find something in the D.C. area. Yeah, that's what I was told by my supervisor, actually. She said, um, there's lots of jobs in D.C., and my emphasis was generally information, being an information specialist. And um, I got, well, I was there for a year, so I got tons of great experience. That's good. Good luck to you. Thank you. I recently applied to a job as an archives tech, actually at the VA, and it was mostly moving boxes and getting ready to send them to the archives. 
but when they had the occupational questionnaire, all the questions were traditional archive questions, which since I lacked the experience, I didn't do so well on. Do they actually gear those occupational questionnaires to the positions, or is it more arbitrary or rote or automatic? They are actually geared to the specific occupational uh, position that they're advertising. And you will find if you're going through some of them that you might not be able to honestly say that you have done something. And if you have not done that particular skill in the job that you're working in now, you should put never. So read them carefully, but think about something that you might have done, too, in your classwork and in your volunteer work. Thank you. I did that, and I'll, I'll continue to just get more experience. Hi there. I'm wondering about part-time jobs or um, internships while I'm still in school, because I don't have my degree yet. I'm still a ways out, but I would love to get some experience. What do you suggest? I would suggest that you join some of your professional organizations, such as ALA, SLA. Uh, they have student rates, or some of them will have um, rates based on your income at the time. And look at some of the projects that they might have, or some of the training that they would have. For example, with um, SLA, they have the Click University that's available online. Sherry, do you, Cherie, do you have some ideas? Hello, this is Jill. While we wait for Cherie to be able to pick up the mic, which I hope she still can, um, in regards to Karen's question about internships, um, are, are there you know, viable internships right now through the federal government, and would those still be listed on USA Jobs, or is there another source that students might use to find some federal government internships? Hi. Um, yes, there are um, um, several people at, at my agency who have come in um, working in a student capacity, and I know this has just been changed over, but there are student jobs. And also, um, at GPO, we have a virtual internship, so that's another way that people can get experience um, along the way, even if you don't. Be sure that you go to the USA Jobs and click on the Student and Recent Graduate page. That's the second one in, and you will get some opportunities to look at there. Thank you. I appreciate your answers. I'm looking at a question in the chat box uh, from Lori. Well, I'm kind of interested in Lori's question as well. Um, I, th I guess from my perspective, I'm wondering how, how would you determine if a person has at least one year of experience? And so they're only working, say, one day a week in a library. So if they're at that library as a volunteer for one year, but it's only you know one day a week, would that count as one year of experience? Or can they look at part of their course of work because they're going for the MLIS? Could they translate that into equaling at least a year of experience? So um, I would appreciate some dialogue on that as well. In the federal sector, they usually do not count that as your internship as uh, experience. It will count as far as the experience that you can put on your resume and your specialized skills that you have. But it doesn't count for those years. Uh, the GS positions that I was talking about as far as moving from the 9 to the 11 and so on are usually very stringent in that it has to be a particular position that you were holding at the time. So if you see a position advertised as a GS-11, and it specifies that you have to have one full year of experience, if you don't have it, you should be applying to the GS-9. But when you see something advertised as a GS-9-11, you can apply for those anyway, even if it says slash 11, because they could hire at either level. And if you have job experience, in another sector, for example, in an academic library or a public library that's full time, that's going to count as your experience.
Helen, this is Jill. Could you repeat that last statement you just said about um, experience in an academic library and and what you said around that statement, please? If you're coming into the federal, if you're applying for a federal job and you've been working in an academic library or a public library or a corporate library, they would be able to look at job experience that you've had along the way. So you might be able to apply for a higher level at that rate. They'll be looking to see that you have experience in your specialized field. Did that answer your question? I see that Lisa said she worked eight years at an academic library full time. So yes, that's going to count when you're applying for something. So you have had experience, perhaps you even had some people that you were supervising, or if you had supervised the student interns who worked in the library, don't forget about adding that. Yes, I worked as a supervisor. Actually, I supervised federal grant study students. That's good. So if you're applying, you could be looking for higher ones. So we have just about three minutes left. It looks like Hillary and Greg have questions. So go ahead and pick up the mic. Helen, can you answer that one for us about virtual internships or, or, or sharing where they might find those? Go to the USA Job Students site and look for internships on that site. Cherie, do you want to add anything? Um, yes, I would add that Robin Han Mohammed is going to be speaking, and I believe it's next month, and she will be talking about um, the virtual internships at GPO. So if you come back for that session, she'll be telling you all about it um, at our agency. Do you also have uh, information on the GPO.gov site that he could look at or she could look at? That's a question that I'm not sure the answer of. I can um, probably post back later to um, Jamie and Jill about that. Um, but yeah, I don't know offhand whether it's posted or not. And yes, you could perform the internship, yes, because it's done so that you don't have to be doing it uh, right at the same time all the time. It's, I believe it's done by project, so you could do it while working. That's great. That was a great, uh, great lead-in, too, to, um, to our next session, which Jamie has put up, is on November 16th. It will be the third session in this career colloquia series about getting jobs with the federal government. So our first session is already on SLIS web. It's listed where all of the other career or all the other colloquia sessions are. And I'd like to thank you both very much. It was a super informative evening. I was taking copious notes because this is really, really good stuff. I greatly appreciate your time. Um, I know you're both on the East Coast, and so it's late for you. So, so we thank you for taking the time out of your evening to provide this information to us. And good night, everybody. Thanks again, participants, for joining us. And we will see you all virtually next month. Good night.